Hello, I'm Glyn Fussell and welcome to We Can Be Heroes. In this podcast, I get to know creative misfits, underdogs, wild rebels and those people who have stuck one giant middle finger up to society and live life their way. Today's hero is a creative powerhouse that is lighting up London's West End in the most camp, queer and glorious way ever. Since I came out as non-binary, I played a fish and a cow. So apparently, (laughs) if you're non-binary, cartoon animals, that's the way to go. They are an actor, writer and genius creator of one of the most exciting shows I've seen in years. I am very, very excited today to talk to the very brilliant Rob Madge. Hello. Hi, Rob Madge. I'm so excited that you're here. And I'll tell you why, Rob Madge. It's been a couple of weeks since I came to see your show, My Sons Are Queer. And honestly, I am still thinking about it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) In the best possible way. Honestly, it was unbelievably powerful. It was camper than a weekend in Butlins. Impossible. It was gut... No, serious. It was gut-wrenchingly moving. But when I came out, I was so giddy because I think there's so few stories for us queers of that level, but also that are that moving. So Rob, tell me, where did this genius show begin? It's not about genius, but the show (laughs) began in lockdown one or two, I can't remember how many we've had, about 20, Um, but it was an early one. And I was doing a tour of Les Mis as COVID was starting and I was living out of a suitcase with the intention of when that job came to an end I'd move to London Um, but then the job got cut short midway through the contract because of COVID and I was like yeah I got nowhere to go so I had to move back home and when I was back home I found this huge archive (laughs) I can call it an archive sounds stupid it's Um, an archive it's a bit of an archive in it of these home videotapes which um, you know, we, we've all got somewhere lurking and the cobwebs should be dusted off. I encourage everybody to, if you've got any old cassette tapes, to have a look because I hadn't, I hadn't seen any of them. And when I looked at them, I just found them stupid and funny uh, and thought I'd share them on Twitter because uh, it was mostly for my my mates on Twitter. I didn't have a big following when I started sharing them all, um, but it was for you know, people that work in theatre to see how I started off by putting on all of these stupid shows. And I had them all on video footage, so I shared them because they were funny. But then the show came about because because uh, I once shared this video of me dressed as Ariel, <laughs> singing part of your world in a padded bra uh, and a scooter to represent the motion of swimming. And, <laughs> and uh, I got one random comment from a, a mother um, who who said that she was going through a situation where her child was, um, let's say, I don't know, out of the ordinary and needed some advice on how to raise her child. And I thought that's such a strange uh, but humbling thing to to think of watching something that for me was really normal. And as I say, looking back, just quite funny and sweet. Uh Uh, And then it just became something bigger. It became the show because I wanted to help sort of answer that question of, okay, your son might want to wear a wig and a padded bra and a dress and have a scooter to represent the motion of swimming. So how, how do you go about that as a parent? Um, So that's sort of why the show ended up happening. It just started off as sharing some funny 
videos on Twitter, really. But the videos, see, the thing for me that really resonate with me, the videos are so much more than they're they're very funny. They're very, um, you know, it's a it's a completely raw insight into your childhood. But also, I found them just unbelievably moving and tender. And I think, oh. I think, uh, I think I've had quite a similar up, you know, watching and and also grabbing your father after at the after party and just telling him everything about my it. life. He loved <laughs> it. The one thing that I realised is, um, I've had a similar upbringing to, to yours. And, oh, good. And um. And family plays such a huge part in the show. I mean, it's 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 the kind of core. The show would not exist without family. Mm. And as queer people, when we tell those stories of our families, they're very often stories of hardship or trauma. Yeah. So that's why I found this show so fucking refreshing. It was so yeah. beautiful. So I want to know about your family. Tell Go me on. about no. Tell me about them because I've had the. <laughs> apps and it's a privilege i've had the privilege of meeting your mum and dad who are just amazing oh well they feel very um welcomed by by the <laughs> queers and uh th- yeah no that th- they are the the best i mean they are not remotely stagey at all they're they're not theatrical uh my dad's uh, a wholesale electrical supplier um <laughs> sells light bulbs and he's bloody good at it bless him my mum my mum's a housewife now but she was a teaching assistant and a dinner lady uh and they're, they're, they're just they're, they're just the best but it is very daft to see them at you know theater events and after at the parties. garrick at the not at, just that not just the theater <laughs> at the garrick in the west end sold out show it's yeah. wild isn't it and seeing them ha- hang out with it feels like my two worlds colliding because yeah. I always consider myself a bit, a bit of a 50 50 in that I have one life, which is at home in my tiny little town with my family who are not theatrical at all. And then, you know, like Batman at night or uh, in, <laughs> I turn into a, a performer in, in the heart of Soho. Um, and, and it just felt it was a really lovely moment where I felt that those two worlds were sort of coming together because, yeah, no, they're not. I don't know where I ever got it from, uh, but they what I love about them is that they never pushed me into doing it. You know, I always say there's there's such everyone talks about the pushy parent, but there's such thing as a pushy child, which if you've seen any of the videos, that's exactly what I was. Yes, completely. completely. So they just always supported, even though they didn't really have a clue what was ever going on <laughs> it was such a privilege for me because i was um just purely by fluke sat behind your mum and dad in the show i was directly behind them and oh. <laughs> and obviously i'm getting to watch these home videos of your parents and you know the way that you are reacting to those videos and then i'm getting to watch your parents in front of me and in particular your your father who was who cried all the way through? I knew he would. I knew oh, he would. And everyone I, always, everyone always presumes it'd be mum. They go, "Oh, is your mum? No, is your mum? No, it's dad." It punched me in the gut. At one oh. point, at one point, my boyfriend grabbed my knee and he's like, "Pull yourself together!" Because <laughs> I was sobbing. I was <laughs> sobbing. So, what was that? The first time you did the show? Because am I right in thinking you did it in a theatre that then went to Edinburgh? That yeah. Then, transferred then and scaled up to the west end <laughs> so what was the first time that they came to see that show and what was their reaction to it first time they saw it was in june 2021 where we did it at a theater called the turbine uh just off west end 
and it was it, we were coming out of lockdowns and it was one of the first theatres to reopen but it was still at 50% capacity so we were performing it to only about 50 people um with perspex screens in between the <laughs> the seats and everyone had to wear masks um and that was the first time they saw it and I was I was really nervous to do it for them because I couldn't really care less what anyone else thought at that point. I was like, if if they don't like it, it's all been for nothing because it is a tri- it's a tribute to them and it's a real love letter to them and 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 via them other supportive families is what I sort of want to want to say with the show. I don't want it to just be a you know. Oh, look at look at my family. Look at my parents. Look we at did me. it. Yes, because yeah. that's just boring. And who who wants to watch someone look at their own videos if it doesn't mean anything bigger? So I I think they got that as well. I think they they understood that what I was really saying was that they're an example um, of of how to, of how to be a great parent. And they suddenly I think they felt quite proud of um of what was our normal was actually something to be really celebrated um but that that was all thanks to to uh moving back home and and people telling me your parents deserve to be celebrated because i think i took i took it for granted um and i know that it's just not the case for everybody for queer people um so yeah and that yeah in particular in particular your your dad you know and i think that relationships with you know let alone gay men and their mm. fathers can sometimes be strained but when you then decide oh sorry dad i've got something else to tell you i'm queer or i'm non-binary or mm-hmm. i'm you know or in my case for a long time it was like i want to wear a jock strap and heels and run through the streets of dalston doing slut drops and that's my profession yes. deal with it yeah totally. that that takes a long time and, I, and you know and i i i maybe that's why i was sobbing in the third row mm. is that i was fortunate the same yeah. as you enough to have a father that you know my dad taught me about show tunes and barbara streisand not that oh, he really wow. un, not that he really understood the level of campness that he was pushing on me <laughs> his is somewhat you know un, that's un, the beauty of it they never they no, never no know. idea no, no idea. idea of this sort of subconscious <laughs> camp agenda that he was pushing on me yeah but but um it's it, that's why i think it really really touched me and i think when I was watching and, and when I left, I just kept saying to everyone around me, this has to be shown in schools. You know, this has to get out there because I think the best thing is, you know, the beauty of art and storytelling is to take those stories of hardship and triumph and success and failure and all of that. Um, and, and then to create something, create a body of work that you then show to people is a very brave B, you know, if done properly, which you, you've done magnificently, it's very powerful. So yeah. I'm just going to big you up, by the way, all the way through this. No, rock, that's nice. I need really, it. Yeah, no. Please, I'm playing to, a cow at the minute. I need all of the... Well, we'll get to that. The ego. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. But it really, really just... Uh, I mean, I cannot praise this show enough. It was just so amazing. Oh, so other than yeah. my um, over-the-top gushy reaction... <laughs> what have been those reactions? Because you mentioned before about parents, and I think that there is a real lack of education around queer parenting, gay parenting, trans parenting. You know, parenting anything that is other than what you have lived. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what have been those reactions 
to you? Have there been anything that's really stood out? It's just been lovely to have um, queer kids, uh, grown-up kids as well, bringing their mums and dads um, and their grandparents to watch it. Uh, and that have said, you know, we've we, we've been the same or, oh, my grandson's just like you or my grandma is just like your grandma. Uh, and, and being able to sort of um, feel that what I thought was, you know, quite a... A, a weird, uh, strange childhood is actually much more common than yeah. than you think. Uh, and I think maybe we all grow up and try and suppress it uh, because at school or in other environments, we were we felt very out of the ordinary. Uh, so we never spoke about it. I mean, when I started sharing these videos, I had friends from school who would message me saying, you what? You weren't like this at school. <laughs> You're telling me at the weekends you would dress up as a little mermaid. I'm like, yeah, sorry, I was hiding quite a lot. Um, so then to suddenly meet all of these people after the show who say, who are saying, oh, that was me as, as well, I think is, it was just quite um affirming that <laughs> that I wasn't such a weirdo uh I felt like you know well cliche but the community it, it felt that's how it felt um but with families and grandparents and on as a well bigger as, scale you know that's the beautiful thing is that yeah it just did you ever like did you ever ex- did you ever expect that from pandemic you come out <laughs> the other end you know what two years is it two years and then all of a sudden you're selling out shows in the west end at the garrick i mean yeah it's daft in it i mean it is the most stupid it is very stupid but it's always i i don't know i've been really lucky to have the team around me that i've had um paul taylor mills if he'd never have said this script looks good you know i'd be nothing so it was all circumstantial and i'm lucky to have had the time to write it and to have met the people that you only who's it that says you only need one person in a room uh is that lady gaga it's lady gaga yeah there you go i'll, I'll quote her because i'm we'll, gay um, and we'll and we'll get to sharon beyonce by the end of this podcast. yeah brilliant I'm perfect sure. uh, just cliche after cliche with me. <laughs> um but yeah no i it's it's all stupid but who knows next year it might all be over so i'm just i am enjoying it for no, what it is at the minute. Rob, no you and just that, never know you well you don't and that that's obviously that's a lot to do with where you've come from and your roots and i get that the mm. the, the the wild feeling of being and it, i mean and I, this is something that i've spent thousands of pounds on therapy with um <laughs> this constant feeling like. of being of being an imposter and and totally. that's a real here we go <laughs> i and, mean and that's need a, another hour that's that. a real working class thing full stop yeah. that's mm-hmm. a real working class person that dares to dream and mm. then you know you add the layers on that of queer of creative of, yeah you know i'm oh oh also i'm non-binary you know all yeah. of these yeah. things it it just makes for um it just makes for complete imposter syndrome and this constant state of having to, and I'm listening to you now and I'm, I'm not therapizing you, but Please I've, do. Spe- I, but I've spent my entire life. If somebody gives me a compliment, I'm like, Oh my God, look over there. It's a magpie. Okay, you no. know, I, I need to pull away from it because it just doesn't sit with me because we are told that we are not allowed to dream that big. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And I do always struggle at, you know, stage door afterwards to s- saying 
thank you thank you like i can <laughs> doing the show for an hour and hearing them clap and seeing them enjoy it is is, is all i need <laughs> i'm like oh you've liked the show perfect and then and then afterwards i never i never know what to say i'm like oh well that but the cheers. power the power and it is a power of daring to dream because it's a very brave and bold thing to go after the, your dreams mm. Always gets shrunk down by society. Um, mm. And I think as you get older, that's a real thing. And and also this show plays into that about not, you know, you can still be on stage in the West End dressed mm. as Ariel, albeit somewhat <laughs> glammed up. Um, Thank you. Most people say cheapened. I was being polite. <laughs> <laughs> but what, I mean, listen, I've had it all my life. People always, is uh, always try to shrink my dreams essentially so what is what have been those experiences for you of people trying to minimize not only your dreams but your your sort of unapologetically you version of your dreams um i mean i had rough experiences at school with certain teachers and people telling me that i i shouldn't um be enjoying the things that I enjoyed. This is the thing that I've come to realise as a grown-up as well. A grown-up. <laughs> sound like such a child. A demi, um, a demi grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But when people hate people for enjoying things, no matter what mm. that is, really, for the most part, uh, unless it's hideously problematic, I I have <laughs> such an issue with it. I'm like, let people let them do wordle. You know, if they <laughs> if it makes them happy, how is it exactly. affecting you? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, so, but now I'm at a point where you, it can lit whatever is said. I can compartmentalize it in a little box and ignore it forever. Well, for a few years until I'll probably have to unpack it all uh, in a therapy session. But you know, you have to let all of all of that wash over you because. The positives so outweigh the negatives, and it, it only takes that one to to really chip away and bring it's annoying you down, though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's annoying, annoying, and, and it's you, annoying there's no you can avoiding have a, it. I know you can have a theatre of people that are screaming mm. your name and outside mm -hmm. the theatre door, and the one person might come to you after and say one thing that is linked mm. to past trauma, and yeah. all of a sudden you go, you spins you out, and I, I that resonates with me. I get that a lot. Yeah, and, and I yeah, hate come, myself for it. Yeah, you you can come crashing down, but I, you know, I feel like I've I've done too much work to let that happen. Uh, yeah. Don't you find though that society fears freedom? It fears oh, self-expression yeah. because it feels so dangerous and out of something that they can measure. Yeah, totally. They, a lot of people struggle to understand joy sadly no um, that's so true that's so just true. simple unfiltered yep. happiness and and joy and campery uh, w without looking at it in some kind of snobbish lens um yep. a lot of people really try and and make it something bigger or think or try it or, or try overly or overly intellectual yes or, yeah yes. because we have a real no there must be something awful there must be something really <laughs> traumatic yes. come on uh, and no some sometimes it's just genuine joy but i think I, that that go that goes to show how lacking we we have been getting better now but have been in joyful queer stories um 
we've had so many stories that our, our lives are miserable and, and awful, uh, which they can be for some people, which is really unfortunate. And those stories deserve to be told. But we, we really need to show the other side of that coin. Uh, because if we're only seeing the one side, then that's what everyone is going to think our lives are. And that's what we are then going to internalize and think yes. our lives should be as well, when it really doesn't have to be. Um, so as important as the tragic stories are, we yeah we need to we need a bit of happiness and well, I would I would almost I would almost say that it's more important. Mm. Tragedy, unfortunately, has been a huge part of our community of mm. our world, and and that's not going away. That no. will continue, but that's also the world we live in. Mm. But the pursuit of joy, I feel like sometimes is the ultimate punk. Act. Yeah, it's the ultimate defiance. It's like, do you know what? I might be laying in a bed of cockroaches, but I am going to feel mm. joy. Somehow I'm going to do it. And it yeah. takes real, real bravery to do that, I think. Yeah. And what do we say about cockroaches? It will just be them and Cher that's left. Uh, so we've oh, got yeah. Cher in as well. We're doing really well. Who's the other yeah. one we need to get in? Beyonce. And then we've got a full okay. house. Brilliant. I'll get to um, her in a bit. You've already brought the cow up, but I was on the tube the other day and I thought, oh, I recognize that cow. so pantomime is a massive massive i I, I mean listen anyone that uh, appreciates the campus side of life and i also have a great love for those amazing british traditions yeah like pantomime um and there's no bigger pantomime really than uh the london palladium especially this year may i add julian clary yeah dawn french Camp, <laughs> Alexandra Book, Camp. Oh my Rob, God! Rob Madge dressed as a cow. <laughs> Discuss. Very serious. Discuss. Very serious. <laughs> so, well, you're playing a camp. You're I'm playing. Pl- a camp. I'm playing Pat the Cow uh, <laughs> on. <Jack laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Have you got it? Yeah. I got it. Go. it. Took a while. <laughs> yeah. It always does. It's a slow burn. Um, we'll get people will get it by app two, hopefully. Yeah. Um. I'm playing, yeah, I'm playing Pat the Cow. Um, I'm playing, well, I guess Jack Trot, principal title character, owns me. Um, but Jack Trot's mother is Dawn French. So technically I'm, I can say I've, I've been owned by Dawn, which is all I've ever aimed for in life. Completely. And, you know, we all know the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. Cow gets sold, beans grow into beanstalk. Lots of spoilers here. Hope I'm not giving away too much of the plot. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fun to be had with this. Can cast. you can you reveal a line from Pat the Cow? Uh, moo, I don't know. <laughs> Gee, oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> sure. um, can I? Okay, I'll, I'll reveal a line that tells you a little bit about Pat's character, and that's uh, I don't want to moo. I want to be in a West End show. So, so that oh. that that gives you a little bit of insight. Well, I all into... of a sudden understand why you were cast in this role. Yeah, does it make sense? <laughs> it does. So you're working with Julian Clary and Dawn French, icons of mine. I mean, how do you turn up to work every day and not just sort of turn into ectoplasm on the stage as I would? Well, I really sort of have been holding everything back not to do that. Uh, Julian Clary. Um, I grew up watching You're in saying, pantos. Unbelievable. Uh, and I did a, I did some uh, pride panel last year where I was asked who was my queer hero. And I said, Julian Clary, because I distinctly remember being about four or five years old and seeing this flamboyant 
uh, guy in these incredible costumes. So wearing, groundbreaking. Where, so groundbreaking. Yeah, and this was in like 2000 for yeah. a family audience. Yeah. For, it was for a mainstream And it was on the edge. Audience. It was on the edge. And it was edge. in like the middle of nowhere in the Midlands, like Wolverhampton. Uh, and, and he was, but he was making them laugh as well, which to me, I was like, oh, this is everything I, I want. I want to look at like fabulous and camp and amazing and, and elicit a, a response like that. Uh, and over the years, I've just, I've learned a lot from watching him in in shows and his stand up, and I've read his books and all of that stuff. I mean, I am a huge fan. And and Dawn French, I watch Vicar of every night. It's my comfort viewing. Yeah. Um, and th- there's a program that she did a couple uh, about ten, oh, longer than that, fifteen years ago, called Jam in Jerusalem. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's so great underrated. It's Not enough people show. know it. And I told her today, I built up enough courage to say, Dawn, uh, I just want you to know that uh, Jam and Jerusalem is one of my favourite sitcoms of all time. Um, and she said, oh, is it really? That's lovely. And I said, yeah, I, I, I show it to all my friends. And she goes, you have friends? And I was like, oh, <laughs> we're mates now. <laughs> we're mates. <laughs> oh, I love that shadiness. I know. I was That's like, just been read to filth by Dawn. Yeah. Well, babe. <laughs> Where do you go from there? I mean, <laughs> honestly, the only way was is it, up. I, for me though, in my mind, as you were telling that story, I was imagining you dressed as a cow, sort of like <laughs> nervously tickling your udders. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Brushing my Listen, hooves. I, think I was thinking yeah. about this because Panto is obviously at the moment is everywhere. You know, you're getting on the tube and I'm beginning to think I'm going to go and watch Panto. And <laughs> I started thinking about Panto and how unbelievably queer it is. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, but it also doesn't need to say I'm an LGBTQ plus show, mm-hmm. but it's intrinsically camp and queer, right? Yeah. And it's part of British culture in the same way that um, Pie and Chips is, right? Yeah. Is Pie and Chips British? It is now. Um, yeah. But why is it, do you yeah. think, that as British people and families in particular, we accept Panto as part of our culture, but there's such uproar when a drag queen tells stories yeah story uh, time for kids it's, and it's, to kid yeah to kids it's wild there seems right? to be a real issue with that at the minute I'm not entirely sure where it's well i am sure where it's come from um it's come from a lot of people stoking an unnecessary fire uh and it it's such a good question why do i think i think uh people just have massive double standards <laughs> and they struggle with any kind of label so the minute you uh, okay, so Danny LaRue or um, Edna Everidge being in, in a pantomime, playing the fairy godmother or, or the dame or whatever, is totally fine because they are playing a character and it's very wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, the minute the minute that they were to say that they're, they're gay, uh, there's a moral panic. And what Panto does so well, though, is it does the innuendo bit perfectly. I mean, Julian Clary couldn't be a filthier gay if he tries. I know. Uh, and and the the jokes are, I mean, they are, we are way below the belt. The belt does not exist. Um, suspenders. <laughs> we're on they, the suspender line. Yeah, honestly. They, they are, but because he, he never says he is queer, he never says he's going to, shag the prince <laughs> it's all suggested through wordplay and that's safe because it's fine but the minute we reveal the fact it gets a lot scarier and this is something that always uh intrigues me when uh, people 
come to the assumption that because I was a big flamboyant kid, it's a fair assumption to make that I didn't have to come out. People go, oh, you obviously your parents just knew. Yeah, they probably did. However, it really undermines the fact that to admit the reason behind the simple wig and the simple dress is, well, I'm queer. To admit that reality, suddenly it, it all becomes too real for some people. I'm sure yeah. there's lots of people who would have been like, oh, yeah, little Jason's wearing his heels, but it's fine. He'll, he'll grow out of it. Uh, you know, yeah, so I think I to exactly place the label mean. just for some reason terrifies people when really they've seen it all along. It's always been there. It's been, and there, it's been nothing if... to be afraid of. So it's one word. It's one admittance yeah. and everything changes. Yeah. It was yeah, that happened for me, too. It really mm. did. You know, from one day to the next, you know, you all of a sudden you step into your honesty, your bravery. And then all of a sudden you realize that 50 percent, 60 percent of people just fall out your life. It's interesting, isn't it's it? It's very interesting. They're lost, my darling. In it, my babes. Honestly. So you're a loud and proud non-binary thespian. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Uh, and um, I, I, I wonder how being so publicly open about your gender identity has affected castings. I'm not talking about the cow. <laughs> past, past being a glorious, rude... Well, I tell you what, since I came out as non-binary, I played a fish and a cow. So apparently, <laughs> if you're non-binary, cartoon animals, that's the way to go. Um, <laughs> genderless cartoon animals. But it's um, something I've, I was, I've been really thinking about because I was thinking to myself... How many really successful non-binary actors, performers do we know uh -huh. where that's not just become the only thing that they stand for? Yeah. I mean, if someone were to say to me, uh, so what non-binary roles are you going to play next? I'd be like, what non-binary roles? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will be playing whatever they'll have me in for. Uh, all I've noticed is that um, people are, are a lot more sensitive uh, and and, and check with me now whether it's a, the right thing to be going up for. Um, but for the most part, what I thought would limit a lot of opportunities has been the thing that's opened up the opportunities that I've always wanted to do. And I mean, that's mostly my own, my own work. Um, people are, are taking that a bit more seriously now, ever since I, I came out and explained the tea. <laughs> um, but like you said, you do have to step into that honesty and and own it and kind of and I think any of the the worries that you have will actually disappear because you'll you'll find yourself doing the things that you were always actually oh you were meant to do and everything else was just being was acting as a bit of a barrier. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to really be going for your your sort of what I was going for when I was nineteen, which is your cis barricade boy that 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 is it just don't me anymore um where do you was... stand where do you stand on gay actors playing straight roles and vice versa because i think it was luke evans recently actually that made the big well actually he was just speaking his truth you know <laughs> yeah we're all we're all allowed to do that um, yeah. but there was quite a there was quite the uproar about about him what well, i think i mean i don't want to paraphrase but i'm gonna <laughs> i think he was saying that if it wasn't for straight actors playing gay roles and gay actors being able to play straight roles he wouldn't have a career mm. I, I, would, I think that's exactly what he said mm. um so how do you feel about that what's your position on it 
Well, I think the the scales aren't balanced in our favour anyway. So I, I don't think there's an issue with us playing straight roles. I mean, we had to act straight all our lives at some point <laughs> when we were in that closet. So we're quite good at it. It's not quite the same, in my opinion, as a straight actor playing a gay role. It's 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 for me. It's it it boils down to circumstance and the situation. It depends on how they're being played and how specific the story is that's being told um you know i could never imagine someone well obviously it's not me doing my sons are queer but especially a straight person i just don't know it's just it's such a it would feel a little bit the emperor's got no clothes for me um you know i've seen some performances uh, some queer performances by straight people that are just beautiful and and, and oh. great and others that are sending us up and it feels a little bit like we're the butt of the joke parodied yeah yeah and it's a it's a really delicate sensitive balance that you have to strike and it's difficult but i think you can always tell but when i believe it... that's what they call acting yes <laughs> yes apparently Some people I've heard are trained that. for that <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't know it's you just have to be really careful and if you if you are going into a job in my opinion knowing that you are potentially taking away an opportunity from someone who's a little bit more qualified to tell the story right. in any capacity whatever that might mean um then I think you should have a long hard look at yourselves in the mirror I don't know I don't know where I was going with that but <laughs> Do, do, do you know? Yeah, I know exactly you know what you're saying. I mean? You're saying that you essentially you have to try ten times as harder if you've taken that role away from somebody. Yeah, that's well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I, I think I've just shared my opinion on that. No, the I, th I think I think no. That's that's exactly it. Um, you do. You have to earn it, and it so, has to be. You have to do your research. It has to be accurate. So look, you've you've created this amazing um, vehicle for for your own story and for your own, I guess, for your own future within, with it, with My Sons Are Queer. But, you know, you do not come from nowhere. Over the years, you've been in Mary Poppins, <laughs> Oliver, yeah. Les Mis. So... All the Cockneys. What is left to play? Bob Madge <laughs> is James Bond. Billy I see Elliot. That. Billy, <laughs> I think you might have missed that boat, babe. But, do you think? But do you, are there any? Are there any of those roles out there? Or any? I'd love to hear any roles that might be somewhat surprising that you think that's. I need to play that role. You know, I what I'm desperate. I think every queer person says this, but I'm desperate to do a version of Cabaret where Sally and the MC um, interchange over the over the week. You know, so like Monday. One one would play the MC and the other would play Sally, and then oh, Tuesday you swap. That. Um, I think that would be really cool. And if I can't be in it, I want to put it on. So that's what I'll do one day. <laughs> uh, and other than that, I mean, there really aren't, if I'm totally honest, many roles anymore that I look at and go, that that I'd love to be in in that musical. I can see myself being a Bach. Yeah, I, I don't see that for me yeah. anymore so i really am just doing my own writing and, and that's 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 i'm working on that isn't that that that's the point in anyone's career where you look at what's not happening when yeah you, I, when you I react of... when you react to something that's not happening is that when when magic happens yeah yeah that's a nice way of looking at it yeah you've got to make it happen for yourself sometimes um 
yeah, those roles are all great, but that, that I just don't think I fit them anymore. I, I will say I'd like to do more, more plays. I haven't, I haven't done hardly any plays and I'm, I'm sick of worrying about my voice. All I do in musicals is panic about my singing <laughs> and I'd rather just be able to tell a story without all right. that extra anxiety. So yeah, some more plays would be nice, but I'm not sure what. So what about TV? I mean, the, obviously when I, when I left, I'm always thinking of, Whenever I see something that really connects with me, because it, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't happen a great, great deal when you've lived in this great city of ours for so many years. You become a big old cynical queen. That's yeah. the truth. When I you relate. see something, and then we went to, you know, we went to your lovely after party, and we had some drinks, and I was, this must be on TV. <laughs> and I, I stand by that. It's such a strong moving piece of work, and I think it would have enormous power to a mainstream audience in the same way that Jack Rook did. Yeah, yeah. Um. With what's Jack show? I should Big know. Boys. Big Boys. Thank yeah, you. It's brilliant. A brilliant yeah. piece of work. So, do you see that for this, or do you, do you? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I can't. I can't say anything's happening. <laughs> um, but I am working on it, and I would love that to happen one day. Um, mostly because, like you said, it it's just the easiest way to make it more accessible um, to people. Um, it's so hard to get to the theatre. People uh, have more important things to be spending their money on these days, yeah. uh, like living at home and staying warm. Uh, so justifying ticket prices is getting harder and harder. Uh, and I would love, 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 love it to be on telly at some point as uh, as as a series would be the, the dream. Um, and if not that, then, you know, get the show streamed and put that out there but these are all things we're, we're working on but um i'm not sure when it'd happen or it's if gonna it happen would. rob rob <laughs> it is gonna happen honestly well, i cannot who knows applaud you enough and um from one queer that has spent a sort of lifetime creating fantasy worlds to another honestly i'm i'm very grateful for for that hour that you gave me but also that hour that you're giving to all those families and all those queer kids i think the work oh. that you're doing is very important it's very amazing and you should be very proud of yourself well i'm honored thank you very much and thank you for having this conversation with me um and for anybody Anytime. else anybody that's not seen my sons are queer you're an idiot when <laughs> when can they go and see it rob oh my god i don't know <laughs> Just Stay follow, tuned. follow, yeah, follow Rob Madge on on, Stay, on, on yeah. all the socials and um, yeah. Sure Stay tuned. International stardom beckons. Thank you so much, <laughs> Rob. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs>